You know, I want to use this sermon today to talk about peace. Is it possible to live a life of peace in spite of the storms that we face? I'm talking about having the peace of Christ ruling in our heart. Um, but before that, I just want to pray just to allow God just to speak right now through this service. Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity that we are here today just to hear from you. Lord, we just want to invite you right now to speak in such a powerful way and in such an awesome way that we can understand you. Speak with clarity right now. Bring your manifold presence and bring your words, Lord. Let it not be my words that, that, that I created, Lord, but a word that, that is coming from you. And so your people are hungry. Your people desire to grow. Your people are looking for peace. And so we pray that as this word come, we will find peace and we will find understanding and realize what you're saying in this season. In Jesus' name. So I want to use, praise God, I want to use um, Colossians 3. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians 3. Um, but my key verse today is verse, verse 15. It says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. You know, the world we live in is changing fast around us. Um, no one saw the pan pandemic coming. So that has left most, most of us unprepared for the impact that, you know, it would have had on our daily lives. So much have changed. Our lives have changed. Some of us may have lost our job or even lost a loved one. So we may be struggling to be at peace with the current situation. We may be struggling as we all love to live with some measure of certainty, being able to plan our days. So we all had to give up some sort of our freedom, some sort of our liberty to be free to choose our, our day and what we do in a day. So for some of us, it, it, I know it has been unsettling and so it has, um, some of us haven't find it yourself, being able to cope. You, you, you're experiencing uh, not peace, you're experiencing the, the opposite. So, you know, most of us spend most of our time at home. And you may be, you may be living in a home where no one agree on anything, right? Some of us are probably essential workers um, within the NHS. I know some people within this, even in this room, they work with the NHS working to keep our nation alive. And um, we honor you. Um, and with that comes a lot of pressure, no doubt. No doubt it's difficult to find peace in, this, in, you know, in that environment. Probably find a lot of um, you know, chaotic situation. 
you know, being in the environment of critical circumstances, trying to save someone's life and dealing with that psychologically, you know, so we honor you. But nothing seems to be normal anymore. We have tried all means to maintain some level of peace and calm in not such a calm world, is it? We've tried all means. But I want to offer to you today hope. Because I know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. According to Isaiah 9 verse 6. And I want to use this message today to help us to get to a place where we are constantly living in the peace of Christ. I know it's possible. So today you will discover from Paul the Apostle in Colossians, he had his share of struggle. He struggled for a life of peace. If you remember Paul, his name initially was, was Saul and he was converted to Paul, where he, he lost his sight. He, 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 lost his, he lost his job as a, he was one of the top prosecutor. He, he went around and uh, um, prosecuting those who were um, believing in Christ. And yet uh, he also was imprisoned because of his belief. So he, he shared, he's, he's someone I believe who is qualified of it because of his experience to share the secret of living in peace, you know, living in the peace of Christ. How did he, you know, live in peace? Because you can hear from his, his scripture, uh, how he says he knows he's learned the secret of how to be content. So I wanna, I wanna know, I'm so in, um, interested to know, how did Paul, you know, maintain a life of peace? And how could he be, be able to come out with all these, these positive, words and, and words of encouragement, not just for himself, but, but for others. So I want to use um, Colossians 3. I picked up on ten, 10 things that I believe Paul wants to communicate to us from his experience. I want to present it to you as a 10-point action plan to live in a more peaceful life. You know, I will do this <laughs> by going through bit by bit the plan in Colossians 3. Um, you may be saying, um, okay, here he says, oh, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. But Paul, you haven't told us, how, how do I do that? But I believe what he was saying um, from verse, if we start from verse 1, is what leads up to a life of, of peace. You know, the, ta the last 10 years of my life has been probably the most challenging um, but at the same time, it's been a rewarding time of my life. The, but the, the previous 10 years, it, it was good. But there was something missing. In the world's view, I was, I was doing well. I, you know, I had a stable job. Um, started my family, my lovely family. Um, but then I did not know how to handle problems very well. When I had problems at home or at work, um, I used to get flustered easily. I'm one of the persons who get flustered easily. However, in the last 10 years, those problems has somehow changed me. 
those problems has drawn me closer to God. It has brought me on my knees to, to, to connect to God because I know I could not do it. And I know I could not continue. I could not carry on like that. So I learned to cope with my problems through connecting with God, by seeking God. So my first point is, let's read verse one. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I think when we seek God, it makes our difficulties so much easier to deal with. Do you agree? Seeking God first will give the confidence we need to overcome pain. We sometimes seek the help of man first, hoping that God will back our plans instead of seeking God first and his plans. It's not wrong doing a good job to keep your employer happy, but we need to seek God's will first. It can be easy for us to seek those you know, quick fix things that are quick and, um, you know, things that we can see, hear, touch, and, and, and feel. I know how broken, because I know how broken and how lost I would be if I don't seek the invisible, if I don't seek God above, if I am not seeking him, if I'm not pursuing him, I know that brokenness would still be there. And so Paul is saying, Seek those things which are above. And so my second point is to live in a, peace, a more peaceful life, is to set your mind on things above. And I see that in verse 2. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. You know, some weeks I work like, I work at a three-day at Royal Mail, and then for the rest of the time, like one day, I'm at Trinity. And one thing I found helpful is starting my work day seeking God through prayer. <laughs> I have to do it. Um, job, the job can be stressful at times. But I have to set my mind like a compass. First thing in the morning towards God. Setting my mind on things above means I'm choosing to focus my mind to see. For when I start the morning, I want to see things the way God sees it. Throughout the day, I want to see things the way God sees it. Throughout the day, I want to make decisions the way God would, would, would make it. I like what Joyce Mayer says, where the mind goes, the body follows. Where the mind goes, the body follows. So it starts in the mind. You know, one of the most difficult things to do in life is to have a focused mind, to have our mind focused. Because there, there is so much distraction, there can be so much distraction, so much things that can distract us and get our mind, especially in the early mornings. It, it could be the kids. Once they've started, and you, 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 they've started and um, they've conditioned your mind. You may, may have started um, in an angry, angry morning or angry, start your day on an angry mode. I believe it has an effect on the day. 
it determines what, what happens throughout the day. You're going to be angry with, you know, your co-worker. You're going to be angry with someone. You're going to be angry with your, your, your wife your, or your, your husband. See, you, you know, we need to focus our mind on Christ and set our minds on things above. You know, have you heard this saying, out of sight, out of mind? So we have to put some effort into setting our mind on heaven, which is out of sight. Here we are challenged to turn our attention towards heaven in verse 2. I believe God is saying to us, what you put into your minds determine what comes out in your words. It comes out in your actions. Because our mind is like a garden. Well, you, whatever you plant in there, that's, what's, that's eventually what's going to grow. What we choose to plant in the garden of our mind determines the picture that we will see. Are you seeing, you look at your life and you, you look at it, you, are you seeing a beautiful picture? Are you seeing a beautiful garden with beautiful roses and, and lilies? God says, when you set your mind on me, you create an atmosphere for me to occupy. He will occupy your thoughts. He will occupy your emotions. He will occupy your decisions. And most of all, when you set your mind on me, I will bring my peace. He will bring his peace. It doesn't matter what the situation is. He promises. He's a God of promises, and he will fulfill his promise. And a God who will not lie to us. You know, true peace is not found in the absence of conflicts or in good feelings. It comes from knowing that God is in control. Knowing that he is in control. And that's why he called us to look to him. Set your mind on me. Set your mind on, on heaven. Set your mind on the priority of heaven. You know, even the wind and the sea listens to him. You know, he spoke his word in that boat. And the, and the wind and the sea had no choice but to obey him. The, the, the disciples panicked. But there was no need for them to panic because Jesus was in the midst of the storm. When you and I set our mind on things above, we allow the peace of Christ to rule. And my third point is in verse 3. It says, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The third point is to live in, if we truly want to live a peaceful life, is to believe in our salvation. I just cannot afford to doubt my salvation. We cannot, we cannot doubt our salvation. And... Um, we have to be at peace about it. We have to be confident in our salvation. No one can snatch you. I'm saying, telling you, no one can snatch you. In this verse, it brings comfort to us that no one can snatch us out of the palm of Jesus' hands. We would not fight or we would not argue with anyone when we have confidence in the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, when we doubt our salvation or allow someone to cause us to doubt we are not living in the peace of Christ. When I trust in the full and complete works of Jesus, I can have peace. This is something that we need to tell ourselves, that the life we live, we live by faith in Jesus Christ. 
Christ already fought. He's already won the battle for our peace. So we need to walk in that accomplished fact. God wants to say to us today, don't be worried about your salvation. When you identify with me, I will give you the right thoughts on your relationship with me. You need to see yourself the way I see you and you will have my peace ruling in your heart. Your life is hidden in me. That's comforting. I'm hidden in Christ. You are safe. You are hidden. And he's watching over you as a, as a mother and father who watches over his children, who cares for their children so much. When you and I know that our salvation is secured, I believe we are allowing the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. Fourth point, to live a more peaceful life is to believe that Christ will return. And we see this in verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, wow, this is, this is good. Christ, who is your life, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, Christ not only gives us the peace about our salvation and that we are saved, he also gives us the power to live for him now. He, he, he also gives us this hope for the future in this verse, that he will return. He will return to fulfill his, his promises. That's one of his promises, that where he is, there you will be as well. So God is saying, don't be too attached to what you have accumulated here on the earth. Don't let, don't let us get attached to it because it's, it's temporary. And when we are so attached to it, it causes so much stress. It causes us so much grief because we're trying so hard to keep what we have, to maintain what we have. The government is after it. They tax, they tax it. Your, your, your children want all of it. <laughs> Eventually they inherit it. <laughs> you know? You know, they, everyone wants it. What you have. So you have to fight hard. It's a pain to keep what you have, to maintain what you have. But God doesn't want us to be so attached to it. This thing that is causing us so much pain that we forget about him. Yeah. You know, countries go to war over, over, over land and, and, and money and wanting, wanting to have more, you know. So God is saying, don't be attached to it. He wants you to focus on heaven and, and, and his reward. You know, when you and I believe that Christ will return, I believe we are letting the peace of God ruling our hearts. My fifth point is to, to live in a more peaceful life is to kill sinful desires. In verse five and six, it says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. God wants us to know that we have a choice about sin. We have a choice. He's, he, he, the, he says, put to death. And you're wondering, how can I do that? We can choose what comes into our mind and what we can choose what we focus on. 
we can choose to either focus on the, the sinful aspect of our lives or things that, you know, leads to sin. You know, we can choose to turn, we can choose to turn off the negative news. You know, watching the negative news, it, these things do have an impact on us. And it, it impacted, it, it changed us spiritually if we we're so focused on the negative. We can choose not to watch that pornographic film. These things are what leads to like sexual immoralities. God wants us to know that I have taken care of your sins. Because how is he asking me to put to death? He must have given me the ability or somehow to do it, to be able to do it. So he's saying that I have removed the power of sin over your life. And we need to be conscious of it. You have some power. You have power that's resident in you to conquer sin and its effect on you. If you set your son on his son, Jesus Christ. So if we're, that's where the power is. Because he was able. How was he able to do it? Live a sinless life. How was he able to do it? Because he was constantly connecting to his father. Whatever I hear my father says, he always saying it. Whatever I see my father do, that's what I do. And so we, God wants us to follow in the same principle. If we're going to live in the peace of God, we should desire to stop. Have that desire, pursue it, to stop the triggers of sin. Those things that lead us astray. So God is saying, guard your heart. Your heart is so important. It leads to many things. It leads the, it, in it is the issues of life. It leads, sin leads to the pathway that leads you, it's a, on the path that separates you from God, that separates us from his peace. He says, I want you to have me. Have God as your main desire. If you're going to have passion, let your passion be for God's peace. If you're going to have pa covet anything, covet the peace of God. Hallelujah. My sixth point is in verse 7. In these two you once walked when you were living in them. So Paul is telling the Colossians that they need to awake to their newfound identity because he's talking in the past tense. When you once walked. So that's in the past tense. So you used to live a life of sin or being easily led to sin. But Christ, Christ has done something new. And he's given us a new identity. And he's, he's done something. He's, he's put his spirit within us that enable us to be able to fight against sin, to fight against those things that lead us astray. Because we need to see our, I knew our identity. We need to know who we are, yes. the, the, the changed person that we are. We need to live as that person. Yeah. You, we are not seeing things the way God is seeing it. As far as God is concerned, we are a brand new person. He's given us a brand new life. You now have his spirit living within you. He's living within you. What is he doing? He's empowering us. And that's why we have to be totally reliant on him. He's changing our desires. He's changing us. 
bit by bit. Hour by hour, minute by minute. That total reliance on God. That, 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 that waking up, starting and focusing our minds like a compass. It's doing something. It's not wasting time. It's, to, it's changing us. It's shaping us. Sin should have no, no longer have power over you. There's a song that says, I'm no longer a slave to sin or a slave to fear. We, we are on a journey back to the things of God. A back to the real you. Back to our peaceful life that God designed for us. A journey back to God's place of love. Away from the brokenness that we were born into. So put to death those thoughts that you're wrestling with about sin. In the past, you easily slipped into sin, but now you are a new person. When you and I are awake to our newfound identity, I believe we will discover true peace. My seventh point is, is in verse eight. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So here Paul is listing all those things that we should put away. Those things are not part of us. They are not us. You know, we may have someone in our lives, when we think of them, they just make us angry. Those thoughts are a choice that we make. We can choose to continue to make, you know, you, you're even at home and you're just thinking about them and they're probably just doing their thing. They're happy. And, but you're, you're at home worried about them and thinking about them, making them make you angry. Anger is not good for us. Anger causes us to say things or do things that we later regret. Anger does not create peace. It doesn't. It's not the pathway to peace. So we need to kill our anger. It starts with anger. It brings hostility and anger can quickly turn to, to um, physical violence. Domestic violence. It starts with, with an angry, angry person. A person who doesn't know how to control their emotion and their, their, their anger. It harms you and it, it harms those around you. Many things can cause us anger, stress, family problems and money issues. But God wants to, to, to say, use that. He, he, he wants to, those issues, he wants to take those issues and, and um, help you to go through it. And he wants you to come out of it being peaceful. God wants us to know that anger should not define us. Don't be defined by anger. Don't ever be known that other person is an angry person. Or anyone knowing you or as labeled as, you know, he's always angry. Or he's always not happy. God did not design us like that. He designed us for a life of peace. To be at peace with each other. Because anger leads to unhelpful talk. It determines what comes out of our, our mouth. So one thought leads to another. So let's be quick to kill that habitual thought of anger before it escalates to other things. When you and I put away thoughts of anger, we are letting the peace of God rule in our hearts. And my, my eighth point to live in a more peaceful life is to be truthful. In verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self 
with its practices. You know, when I set, set my mind on God, I find the truth. He says, do not lie to one another. When I'm, my mind is focused and when, you, when I spend time with God, you, he reveals more of his truth and he, he reveals more of his ways of doing things. You know, we need to awake to our newfound identity. identity. You are a person of truth. It's hard for me to know the truth of God and be dishonest. You know, I struggle to be at peace when I know I told a lie. I don't know if you're like that. I struggle. I can't sleep at night knowing that I'm not being truthful. You know, I used to visit the mechanic almost every month when I had the BMW car. And BMW, is a, as you know, is, a, is an expensive car to maintain. The, the mechanic sometimes, in order to reduce the bill, he suggests that, you know, we pay by cash. Because if you pay by cash, then that's a way not to pay the VAT. You don't have to issue uh, an invoice. You don't have to go through the, the bank. You know, to some it may appear as being financially wise to take up the offer. Yeah. But to God, it's a foolish thing. Integrity matters to God. It matters to God. We need to preserve our integrity. You know, life, may, we may be struggling and to, find, to pay our rent or to, to um, pay our bills. But it doesn't mean we have to lose our integrity or find do ways of, you know, of getting around it or not being honest. When you and I are honest, I believe we allow the peace of Christ to rule. My ninth point to live in a more peaceful life is to renew your knowledge. In verse 10, it says, and have put on the new self, which has been renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here we see the importance of having our mind renewed. If we're using out-of-date information, if we're not updating ourselves, it's just like an, a computer. Our personal computer, if it's not running on the, the right software, if it's, we don't upgrade it, then we're going to have problems. It's going to shut down at some point. It's going to stop working. In the same way, God is saying to us, we need to upgrade what we know. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. We may not be living in peace because we don't know what God has done for us and how much, how much he loves us. He loves us with an everlasting love, a love that will never end. You can only act on what you know, and we need to let others know about it. People are not feeling love. People are not feeling as if they belong. We need to let people know that they belong to someone. And they, be, they, they belong to God and God loves them. I believe when we, we spread this knowledge and when we know who we are and what God has done, when we upgrade our knowledge about him, spending time reading his word and knowing, learning about him, we will know how the wonderful thing and the great thing that he has done for us and we can be at peace with ourselves and we can be at peace 
with others. Finally, my tenth point. To live in a more peaceful life is to dwell on the word of God. In verse 12 to 16. Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love. This is the key. This is what binds it together. This is a new you. This is a, the knowledge that we need to, to grow in. And we need to constantly be making these confessions. Verse 12 says, I am loved. You need to tell yourself, I am the chosen one. I am chosen by God. I am beloved. I have a compassionate heart. I have God's kindness. I have his humility. I have his meekness and patience. Hallelujah. And when we make this confession, you become what you say. You, it becomes you. And he says, let the peace of Christ. After he said all this, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. If we're not thankful about anything else, thankful that we're called to peace. And we are bringers and we are carriers of peace. Carriers of the peace of God. Be thankful, it says. We're called to peace. And how do you maintain this peace? It says, let the word of Christ dwell. Constantly, you know, absorbing it. Constantly reading it. Let the word of Christ dwell. Don't be surprised if you're not experiencing peace in your life. If you're not spending time in the word, dwelling on it, learning about you, learning what God has done. When we, I believe, when we dwell on the word of God, his word has got power to change and his word has got power to heal. And when we dwell on it, I believe that's where we'll find peace. May God bless you today.